You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Jim Fischetti. He is committed to transforming lives and developing developing leaders who want to do the same. He is passionate about growing sales organizations and individuals within them who are ready to go beyond the next step and move towards greatness. He is the author of Vision to Results, Leadership in Action, which was featured on Forbes Best Leadership Books of 2019 list. Jim is also a national speaker and trainer, business consultant, and professional coach. Hello, Jim, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. And do you want to add anything else about yourself? Um, you know, I, I that seems... Uh, reasonable. I, I'm I'm proud of the fact that I've been married to uh, my best friend Jill for nearly 35 years, and we have congratulations. Two, yeah, we have two great kids and three awesome grandchildren. So uh, that that uh, that's a big thing. And then uh, and then the final thing would be I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. Ah, good. Okay. Well, I am curious about your stories. Okay. Terrific. Do you want to start? Which one do you think it would be more, um, would offer more of a learning opportunity? Would it be the success story, the success story, or the leadership failure story? So, I, I always, so let's start with the, uh, the failure opportunity, right? So Failure opportunity. I like how you rephrase that. It's good. So, uh, you know, uh, failure is somewhat misunderstood by a lot of people. Uh, I'm reminded of the, uh, have you heard of the company Spanx? No. So I think they make like women's shapewear. Okay. Uh, undergarment things. And uh, Sarah uh, Blakely is the uh, entrepreneur and founder. And I remember her being interviewed and she talked about the fact that her dad, when they were children, would ask each one of the children, what did you fail at this week? Good question. Yes, and the only time dad was frustrated was when they didn't fail at something because it meant that they didn't push themselves, they didn't go the extra mile, or they didn't try something new. And so when you have that type of strength of encouragement of failure as opportunity, uh, you're, you truthfully, your opportunities are limitless. So I was thinking about that as far as what's a failure that I recognized as a leader um, that I saw firsthand. And that is um, many leaders think in terms of being in command and control, being out front and in charge. And uh, whenever you're in a, that type of command and control and about the results the leader is getting, that micromanaging, uh, that uh, more about themselves and getting credit. Eventually, uh, that leadership, even though they that that leader saw uh, incredible growth over time, they started to lose talent. The organization lost talented people because talented people want yes. to be able to achieve. And then they also started to lose kind of their bearings and their culture. They lost a sense of who they were because they 
one of the reasons why they were highly successful is that people were able to become the best versions of themselves. And when a leader is more is so controlling that they're making kind of um, models of themselves, then you're losing uh, people succeeding at the highest level. And ultimately, that CEO of one of the largest companies ended up having to resign because it eventually, if it's about the leader, it will eventually crumble. No, no organization really is going to achieve phenomenal results just for the sake of a leader. Yes, that is true. And if you think about the organization is the people, it's not just the leader because a leader with no people, you're not a leader. It's just one person. Right. Which is, so the kind of the, the yin and the yang, the yang of that is a, a, as an example of uh, success uh, up front that I noticed was um, versus a leader who was willing to be behind the scenes. Uh, the organization was a strong organization that I was involved in. And the decision was made for the key leader to meet with 25 of the key leaders throughout the large geographic area and uh, to increase that and actually had one-on-one -on -one meetings twice a month. And twice, in those, a month. twice a month, one-on-one. -on -one, and, and, and the key of that was the first thing is you've got to have clear expectations. And yes. so, so the leader was able to establish clear expectations with the person and, and both, everybody knew that. And then by having uh, some measurements to track and monitor, then when you have the consistent feedback conversation, many times you get to either celebrate or course correct. But when you are basing the conversation and the results on evidence, it's not emotion based. Yes. So the, the best way to take out some of the emotion of those one-on-ones is to be evidence-based. And then, and then the other advantage, by having the consistency of that, you're able to slowly grind and make progress. Life is really about small incremental changes. And so the leader in that situation was a lot of that work that they did was behind the scenes and in, in equipping other leaders inside the organization to go succeed at a high level. And that organization went from around 5 billion in sales to 10 billion in sales in less than a year and a half. It's a phenomenal And it's because of those, because you, you know, you're going to get a lot more success when your leaders get better. An organization, as you said, Andre, are, are the people. And a leader should be judged really on one simple fact. Are, his or her people getting better. If his, yes. his or her people get better, the organization will, will infinitely grow and achieve the, the results that everybody wants. Yeah, and it, like, for example, in the example you gave, like, of that organization, it all, what it took is to recognize the other people that were distant geographically, so they weren't, like, in the in the headquarters, from what I understand, yeah. and just building a relationship, show that you care, help them improve and better run their own organization, regional organizations, and also offering them a model because people, if you do it once, if you do it twice, you do it three times, they start to think, well, it's working so well with me, maybe I should also 
pick some of this stuff and apply it in my own organization. So it's it's better to show than tell in a way. And and that Andre, you you really identified a key element of that, and it's as the leader uh, role modeling for the people they were leading. This is how you go back inside your organization, inside your group within the subset, and lead your people. Have those consistent. So, um, you know, the old expression, people don't know, don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you care. It's really how much do you care about them? Yes. You know, we, we hear it said all the time, uh, people won't, don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you care. The key is about them. And if you yes. don't genuinely care about your people, and and so you know most people inside of an organization, uh, their their job, their career, their business, it helps fund their life. And yes. so, if so, in reality, you're uh, empowering them to live the life they want to. And if they don't achieve the their benchmarks and their goals professionally, it will have a personal impact. That's, and and if you genuinely care about your people, uh, you care about them, you know, not just within the organization, but them as a person. And what I find really, really interesting is that he had meetings one-on-one because it would have been like easier for him flown in all the 25 people, have like half a day with them. That would be like, I don't know, 10 minutes a person. No connection because everybody's present there. You don't establish a relationship. You cannot focus like on what every person needs, is struggling with, with what you can help them, how you can help them grow. And, and that's something because I've, I think that people hate meetings because there's not just, uh, they're not one-on-ones. There are meetings where there are three, four, five, six more people and it's hard to focus and also reveal yourself, reveal your weaknesses. When it's, when it's a private conversation, it can be more straightforward. Because you're, you don't have the apprehension of losing your own face, um, losing face in front of other people, other colleagues. So, and that's, I think that one-on-ones are the best type of meetings. And I know they drain a lot of time from the leader's time, but that's his job. That's what he has to do. He has to do one-on-ones and talk to people, get to know them and help them grow. Right. So if you imagine, so those, um, that was 25 uh individual one-on-ones that were uh, scheduled um, and nearly uh, 30-minute sessions and sometimes a little bit longer. So if you think about, uh, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, so we're looking at anywhere from 25 to 50 hours a month behind the scenes working and developing key people you know, if a, if a person's working 50 hours a week, then that means 25, you know, uh, 25% of their time of a yes. month was built behind the scenes, just pouring into their people, having those one-on-ones. Yeah, and it generated billions. So, generate, so versus, you know, as opposed to you know, typically the leader who's kind of out front and has people come in and, 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 and does presentations and things like that. Not that you don't do that as a leader. You do that also. You have to do. So I, I have a little saying. It's a simple saying. Work works. If you do the <laughs> simple work, it works. 
Yeah, and the truth is, it's not. It's a lot of work to do one-on-ones and work with all these people. It's you have it drains you emotionally and energetically, and you have to be focused because you cannot go in in that meeting and lay back and doze off. And that person, what what was that person going to feel? You have to listen attentively and see exactly and really communicate while you have that meeting. So, so and yes, it, it's hard. It is hard work, and um, one of the things I learned about it from that experience was uh, having like. So from meeting to meeting, right, one-on-one. So I would start with the last meeting. Here's what we discussed. Here's what the action items, where are we? Ah. So the other beautiful thing about that was it it shows the importance that we're building on and I I paid attention. Where you start right where you left off and then they know that meeting is really important to the leader too, because the leaders prepared, actually went back, reviewed what they accomplished, what they said they would do, and starts with that. Probably also took notes during the meeting, oh, uh, prepared, have them, and and that's important. If you want to show somebody that you care about them, have a pen and paper and take notes, and in the next meeting, reference those notes and ask them like, okay, we discussed this stuff, you had problems with this, how is it going on? Is it better? What I suggested, is it working or is it not working? Do you need some other help? Do you need to bring some counsel from outside the company? Because maybe both of us don't know how to solve this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God, Jim. And we made such a fast switch, like from the failure story to the success story. I'm really curious, do you have another success story or was that it? That was my success. So I, I really wanted to give kind of the yin and the yang of that. Yes. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and I really believe success in most things in life are simple. They're just not easy. And Jim, since we're talking about one-on-ones, do you have some tips on how to conduct really good one-on-ones? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I look at it, uh, is one start with clear expectations and then and and it just can't be clear in the in the leader the the person that they're leading there has to be clear expectations on their part everybody has to know here's what we're our our goal is here's what we're attempting to do here's what we're going to measure and then i want to measure activities and results See, Andre, you can control 100% of the activities you do. You don't necessarily get to control 100% of the results. Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to measure you on the success of the result. Did you achieve the, the, the results? But I'm going to start with the activities. If you're okay. doing activities consistently and you're hitting those benchmarks and those guidelines, but you're not getting results, then there's probably a training or skill set issue that I would need to work with or help bring people in to help you achieve those goals. But if you're not hitting it, but it starts with the activities. If you're, if you're not hitting the activity, we got to hit the activities. The more you do the activities, the better your results will get. So I track and monitor uh, as a leader. I want to track and monitor the activities and the results. And then again, we're talking about results, you know, and, 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 and evidence versus emotion. And then having consistent feedback, too often in the corporate world, we have annual reviews or a, 
what, what some people like to refer to as a come to Jesus meeting when somebody's not performing. <laughs> I love that. There, there's, a, yes. there's a high energy meeting, right? So <laughs> there's a lot of stress around the one-on-ones because ordinarily they're not impression of the relationship. And if you have consistent meetings and consistent feedback, then the relationship is actually built during those conversations as opposed to stressed when they happen infrequently. And then the other great thing about that, so if you're having those weekly, monthly, couple times a month, if you're having them consistently, many times when you're coming together and looking at the results and activities, you're able to celebrate. So, you know, you can high five oh. each other, you can, right? Versus negative. Occasionally, we'll need to course correct. And then you can work with the person and help them analyze what, what do we need to do differently to get a different result? But, but, but most of the time, the, they're going to be more positive meetings as opposed to high-energy stress meetings. Yes, and, then and, you get, and you get to course correct faster because you don't want to find right. out that for a whole year, this one person was heading okay. in the opposite direction than the rest of the company. And, that, and going back to our success story, that was the key was – uh, having those meetings more frequently and grinding that out, you're able to course correct quickly and, and somebody not go too far down the road. I don't know if you've ever driven on, uh, like in the uh, Pennsylvania has this, these turnpikes where you can go miles before there's an exit. Okay. And so if you miss an exit, you might have to go 20 miles before you can get off and get back. So if you don't have consistent feedback, a person can be, traveling for miles yes you know, 30 minutes down the road before they can turn around and come back and there's a tremendous loss of efficiency and then uh you know and nobody's happy about that and that hit so so close to me because i got lost like in i didn't get lost in germany i i missed an exit and i said we're making great time um going yeah. really fast and we missed the exit and then we lost like one and a half hour turning back and going around. It was like, oh my God, it was better if we were slower. Correct. Or to, or in this case, to check in with uh, yes. either your GPS or your map on a, on exactly. a more regular basis. And by having the consistent feedback, you would have been able to course correct much quicker. Yes. And Jim, I like your idea of it's okay. Focus also on the results. Those are important, but also look at the activities because it's important to see, is the person doing the correct activities? Is he doing the work? And if we're not getting the results, but he's doing the work, then let's try and improve his skills, get him some training, whatever it's necessary. It's not that he's lazy. It's just that he's not that proficient in those activities and let's improve him. Let's help him grow. Right. And that, uh, and, and the other thing about that, it, you're absolutely right, Andre. And the person knows that they control the activity. Yes. So, you know, they, you know if, if the goal is, you know, they're going to have, uh, say, they, say, say the goal is that they have uh, five one-on-ones with each of their direct reports this week. Well, if that's one of their uh, measurements, that's an activity that they 100% can control. Right. So if they have yes. that, they're, so when, you know, uh, it's like uh, sometimes in school, they used to give you a gold star for participation, right? So <laughs> the, the activity, you can actually almost guarantee that you get the right number of activities, 
You can't always control the results. So everybody has a chance to, to score 100 on the activities. And then the truth of the matter is, no matter what it is you're doing, so for instance, how long have you been doing this podcast? Um, it's a little now. While we're recording, it's a little over a month. When it gets published, it's going to be a couple of months. Right. So, And what I would say is that over time, you have become a, a, a more proficient interviewer. The experience, yes. it, it, you get better. So the more you actually do activity, the better you get. Exactly. And, and that's how it works. That's how life works. What life else can say? Absolutely. And, and Jim, and, yeah, yeah. Well, based on all your life experience, what is your leadership philosophy? So uh, one of the key elements is, for me, people matter. And you lead people, you manage things. Nice. So we refer, you know, a, a, the title manager is misappropriated. You never manage people. Yes. You lead people. You can manage activities or things, but you don't manage people. And when people really matter, then it's about leading them. And like I said, from my perspective, a leader is, should be measured simply by are there people getting better? Because the organization is nothing more than people. You know, any organization, you can have the greatest technology item in the world, uh, but that's only going to be 5 to 10% of your asset of your organization. The people yes. are going to be 90 to 95% of that. Exactly. And if you don't invest in them, you are missing investing in your operation in your business. And you're, you're missing the best opportunity to grow your business because if you have a person that has a certain skill set, let's say, or certain attributes that he can do a job, he's good in his job. But if you can level him up and become better and become like three times more productive and come up with new ideas, new insights about the business, just one person can revolutionize your whole business with one idea. And if you can inspire all the people, and it doesn't have to be just the, the people working in R&D or on the technical side, any person, even the janitor that's cleaning up can, can see something, put two and two together and come with a great idea that takes you to the next level. Right, so a great example for me is uh, uh, there's a, a retail organization called Nordstrom's. And Nordstrom's is famous for uh, delivering uh, exceptional customer service. Yes, I heard about that. Yes, they're they're headquartered in Seattle. And I had an example. I had a situation where, uh, when I was earlier in my career and was not uh, uh, er, and and traveling for the first time, uh, speaking and presenting, uh, I made the mistake of uh, uh, checking my luggage. You know, uh, as a seasoned pro, I don't ever check my luggage. But, but then, so you know what happened? They lost my luggage. Yes. So I was not traveling in a suit. And my suit, back this was years and years ago when you needed to wear a suit to present. And so I, I, I didn't have anything to wear, okay, for the event that I was leading. My God, what did you do? So I was staying at a, at, a, at a hotel that there was a mall 
literally across the street. So I, I went into the mall. I went into a, a retail establishment, great company, fine company. Uh, and so I also was sized, you know, in, in such that I really needed, uh, you know, in, back in the day, the suits, the pants that fit my chest were much too big for me. So I went into the retail place and said, hey, do you have a X, you know, blazer, a, pair, a black blazer and a pair of black slacks? Because it would be easier because I, I knew there was no way I could get alterations in an evening, right? So, uh, you know, buying a shirt and, and, and tie, all that was pretty easy. Uh, and, and so I was at the establishment and this particular establishment had no hemmed pants. So uh, they had a blazer. I said, and the guy said, hey, you might want to try Nordstrom's for a pair of slacks. They, they might have some black slacks pre-hemmed and, and, you know, we'll hold the jacket for you and the, and the shirt and the tie. I said, okay, great. So he told me where it was. I ran down there. I get to Nordstrom's. The salesman uh, approaches me, asks, hey, you look like you're in a hurry. Do you know what you're looking at? I said, yeah, I know. I, I need, uh, I have a black blazer. Uh, that I can buy, but I need a pair of back, black slacks to go with it. I said, yes. you know, I, I lost my suit and luggage. And, and the guy said, well, would you rather have a suit? I said, of uh -huh. course, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I'm a, a, a 46, at that time I was a 46 chest and a, about a 36 inch waist. So no, I said, you know, I've, I've got to have a cut, whatever. And he says, well, my tailor has left but she didn't leave that long ago. I'm going to try her. If I can get her to come back and alter a suit for you tonight and have it ready for you tonight, would that be okay? Wow. The tailor literally came back to the store. They tailored a suit for me, cutting the jacket, cutting the pants, had it ready for me. By the way, it's the most money I ever spent for a suit. <laughs> <laughs> but I really well, didn't care what the price was because the service was so outstanding. And if you think about it, in the United States, from Tampa is where the store I was in, and from Seattle, you can't get further away from headquarters than those two locations. Yes. But, but there was, wasn't, a, wasn't an inch of separation between the way that the company wanted you to treat the consumer. That is leadership. Where each person is so committed to the vision of the company because it's, it's your frontline people who are executing the consumer experience. Yes. And it's, the story is really important because even after all these years, Nordstrom is still getting free advertising from you. Yes, yes they are. <laughs> I, and See? I'm happy. I mean, it really is. And, I, and, I, and, and by the way, I had never really, uh, they, were, they had just opened in, in my hometown or outside of Raleigh and North Carolina. And, and so one of the things that they did, they said, hey, we can only do a certain amount here when you get back home, take it back in, and they'll do an even further alteration job, which they did. And so I literally, ever since that experience, I have went out of my way when possible to purchase in Nordstrom's just because of that one salesperson who took the time to ask the right questions, to go the extra mile, and a tailor who came home to come take care of a guy who was stranded. Amazing. Exactly. And that's one of the best ways to 10X a company. Mm -hmm. Just make sure 
you take care of your people and they're going to take care of your customers. Absolutely. Oh, that was amazing. Um, and now, Jim, for aspiring leaders, what would be the top three leadership tips you would have for them? So um, one is have a clear, compelling vision. Okay. Because it's really how people connect. So if you're, and if you're, and if your vision's not compelling, so if, for instance, um, one of the reasons why I wanted to be a part of your podcast and your audience is because your passion to have uh, a, a impactful leadership community where you're changing tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of lives, you can't do that by yourself. For sure. But if your goal was just to, to impact a hundred people on a podcast, you don't need me. But no, if you want to, still need you. Well, but no, but if you want to change the world, you really need me. So other people yes. are going to come alongside you. So the vision almost has to be so big and audacious, audacious that they ha somebody has to. If you can do it on your own, then they don't need to be a part of it. But it has to be so big that you need other people to be a part of it. So it has to be clear, compelling. The second thing I'd like to say is you got to care enough to hold people accountable. One of the hmm. things I always say, Andre, I ask people all the time, what's the opposite of love? The number one answer I get is hate. In reality, it's indifference or apathy. Yes. So you've got to care enough to care confrontation. If you care about people, you're willing to confront them. And then the third thing is uh, you've got to correct quickly. So time is not your friend when there's some type of challenge going on. You have, so if, if, if a performer isn't, if somebody in the organization isn't performing the way you need to, you need to correct quickly. If there's an outside force that's uh, causing you challenge, you need to get in there and act quickly. So acting quickly and correcting quickly is really important. So clear, compelling vision, care enough to hold people accountable and correct quickly. And just to be clear on this, when you say like quickly, quickly, you don't go there with the hammer and have like you said like come to Jesus movement with them. <laughs> uh, no, it, now, now, I'm, now, I say that on, on occasional. There are rare instances where you might yes. have to do that, right? So, um, you know, uh, uh, for instance, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, societally we're dealing with systemic racism so i would if 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 i had somebody in my organization who was uh, did anything racist oh, I, yeah. I, you that that would be an example of having to come quickly yes with uh, more of a come to jesus me okay there there would be there would be a higher amount of energy around that okay yes most of the time you're coming from a position first of curiosity uh and and remember We've got to give people some space to fail, okay? Failure is yes. not bad. Failure is a learning experience and it's an opportunity. So, but you have to correct quickly because you're also not doing your people any favor, right? If, they're, if, if they keep making a mistake, they're just learning how to make the mistake. You need to come in and help them correct. And just as you said, you have to show them that you care enough to keep them accountable. Correct. 
And if you feel, if you think about it, that's something that also parents do for their children. So they love them, they care about it, they want them to grow, but you also keep them accountable because that's how you show, show them like, this is good, this is bad, do more of the good. Right, the, the children's a great example, Andrew, because it's like, you know, if, if my child's doing something and they're, uh, when they were little, mine are older now, they, they, you know, you're gonna allow them a little bit of freedom, but if they were gonna run out into the street, you would grab them and act yes. very quickly and there would be a force behind that. But exactly. And, and so, unless it's, you know, the, 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 more, the more devastating the situation, the faster, the quicker. the quicker the energy around it. Oh, yes. And Jim, also when you said like you need a clear, compelling vision, it's always, I always find it like it's hard to know exactly what is a compelling vision. It's like this term, it's really esoteric in nature and hard to say like, this is how you do it. Would you have some tips about how to set a clear, compelling vision? So, uh, one, the, for me, the vision is when you, so for instance, um, if like take a podcast, for instance, yes. so, and, and if I were looking at that, my vision might be, so if I were going to start a, a, a leadership podcast, uh, it would be one where, uh, the world is ultimately changed because leaders are changing their communities and we're creating a community of leaders throughout the world that are changing their community. And that when, and so that when you, for me, the vision, when we achieve it, the world and our part of it that we're in will be better. So if I'm running a business and my business's vision is X, then my consumer and my people's world inside my organization should be infinitely better because we achieved it, right? So, yes. if I'm, you know, if I'm a major league baseball team or uh, a soccer, I want to win the championship, right? I want my players to succeed at a high level and I want to win a championship. And, and my team is better when we win a championship. So if, if championship is the goal, then people are willing to give up their own personal stats in order to achieve a team goal. Uh, if, I, if I simply say, we wanna have fun playing the game, then more of my players would be interested in their personal stats, and then we won't yes. be as effective as a team. By the way, a team always beats talent that doesn't act like a team. Oh, and it's right. You Correct. can always... Uh, a a unified team will, can beat more talented people if they're not acting like a team. Because of the synergies that are around yeah. the people and they lift each other up if they work together. So great example. So uh, giving, giving, you know, giving kudos to another company. You ever heard of Tom's Shoes? Yes, I've heard of Tom's Shoes. Yes. Uh, they're... Not necessarily, in my opinion, the most attractive shoes in the world, but they have a really compelling vision. Buy one, give one. For every yes. pair of shoes that are, they sell, they actually give a pair of shoes to people in Africa who wouldn't ordinarily have shoes. Bombas, the sock company, does the same thing. Buy a pair of socks and they give a pair of socks to a homeless shelter. And so, 
you, you can actually not only connect with your people through your vision, but you can actually connect with your consumer. Yes, and you can also help the consumer feel better about doing business with you. Yeah. That's amazing. And Jim, looking at the long list of books you have in the library there, I'm really curious, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? So uh, one of the uh, really instrumental leadership books was John Maxwell wrote a book called The Five Levels of Leadership. Okay. And, and in that is a basic simple premise. And one is every leader starts with the position, right? You may get hired as the shift leader, whatever it is, but by being, being promoted to that position in that position, somebody else is identified in your leadership, but it's the lowest form of, of leadership. The next phase is you have to go get permission from the people you're leading to lead them. You have to go find out about them. And then the third phase is being a productive leader. And that means so the organization and your people are getting better. Then when you do that, then you can go to the personal development phase where you start pouring into those people and helping them grow as leaders. And then the fifth phase is pinnacle. And that is the people you've developed as leaders are developing other leaders, continuing the cycle. And the key is you can't skip a step. And oh. so inside of an organization, I may be at one with one person, but I can be at five with somebody else. But I must take them progressionally through position, through permission, through productivity, through personal development, ultimately pinnacle. And it's about caring about the people. When I earn the right to be your leader, I earn the right to serve you. And as a leader is nothing more than a servant of his people. Yes, and I find like in my own personal experience, it was like really a, a, a fun, trying moment for me when uh, somebody above me said like, I would really want you to be in a leadership position. Then it was like, I, I didn't even think about it that much. I, I was working for it, but I didn't think like I had the skills and somebody else coming and saying like, I see potential in you. You can grow, you can advance. That was like a turning moment for me. So uh, I highly recommend people when they get that uh, that good calling to Jesus' moment, just take it uh, and then start working, go through all the steps that you, you've mentioned. And um, also when you have the opportunity, also encourage other people to pick up the leadership mantle and give them the same experience that you got from somebody else. And we're never finished, right? Never. It's, it's not. Is there, right? is there an end to leadership? Uh, no. And the reason by it, because I believe that uh, even when I leave this earth, hopefully I've left a legacy of people that, that, that the leadership is still having impact after I'm gone. So well said, Jim. So well said. And Jim, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? So um, uh, you can go to uh, coachwithjim.com. Um, yes. Be placed to, and from there, you can read a little bit about what I do. Um, and uh, you can certainly email me at jim at coachwithjim.com. Uh, on my site, you can find links to uh, uh, 
uh, my leadership book, and then I um, so and, and a little bit more about some of the services I offer to people. I coach high high performing achievers, leaders, and do consulting work with business, uh, and available for uh, individual speaking arrangements for organization. I haven't. I really believe that. Um, Entrepreneurial and business opportunity is the key to uh, fulfillment in most people's lives. So we, we spend a lot of time at work and it should be an experience that we enjoy. And so building businesses worth owning and having is a key component of what I want to see people accomplish. Yes, and I always recommend people to treat you because you can be an entrepreneur and work for somebody else if you oh, yeah. treat yourself as a business. What you're yes. doing and everything and running yourself as a business, you're an entrepreneur, you are in business of working for another business. Yes. So uh, one the, way I like to, the way I like to describe that, Andre, is I want a company full of entrepreneurs. Yes. So they're entrepreneurs inside the business. Exactly. And that's what each business needs and hopefully also wants. And it's the best way you have lots of fun. We have a community of entrepreneurs working together and collaborating. Yes, collaboration. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm humbled and honored. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.